Okay, so this year has been a really interesting year for me personally in returning from New Zealand after those seven years there. And it's been interesting as well because I've had the opportunity of hosting and preaching at Baptist churches all across the South in Somerset. And um, it's been eye-opening really to see the spectrum of churches in this country. Um, I didn't grow up within a Baptist church, so when I went out to pastor one in New Zealand, that was my first experience in one. And it was, that was certainly, um, that was new for me, but I came very quickly to realize how beautiful this expression is in the body of Christ. So it's, um, it's been a new experience for me back here in my home country. Now, in the time that I've um, been traveling and, and preaching at various churches, there was one church that was quite unique for me, at least from my experience. I was told that, uh, well, it was clear the church had no senior pastor. They had no pastor, so it was just, it was the congregation. And there were various leaders, there were deacons and so on and so forth. But um, it was interesting because they had been without a pastor for three years, and the church was thriving. It was really interesting. Now, they, they told me that uh, their the previous pastor was much loved, much accomplished. They, they really respected him highly. But they had the situation where he tried to encourage the congregation to get involved as much as possible. But because he was so good at what he did, the church were like, no, no, no you've got it. You can do it. You're much better than us anyway. And we, we employ you. We've called you to do this, so you can do it. But he, he obviously wanted to get the church involved in utilizing their gifts. But what would happen from the time to time when, when people in the congregation felt the confidence, yeah, I can do this, and they ventured out to offer and play their part, there, was, there were times when it was, their contribution in the congregation was a little haphazard, and he'd jump in and try and rescue the situation. And it's just this cycle that happened and again and again, people withdrawing and then maybe giving it a go, and it wasn't ideal. And so what eventually happened was this kind of, this equilibrium was established where he essentially did everything. Uh, it was the, the congregation, or the church, the, the expression of gifts in that church was really one solitary, lone expression. Now, it's not really how it's meant to be, and certainly with what we've heard in the scripture reading. Now, eventually, he moved on. He moved on from the position, and the church realized Someone's got to, we've got, to, we've got to actually step up and make this happen, otherwise it's not going to happen. And something beautiful happened. Because what everyone realized was, wow, you have those gifts. I didn't know you could do that. You can preach like that. I had no idea you could preach like that. And suddenly, the gifts were flourishing all over the church that had been hushed and laying dormant for, for years because it was expected upon the pastor to do everything. It was beautiful. The body of Christ operating in all its functions and all its parts. Lovely. Now the church are actively seeking for a pastor because they, they cherish and value the worth of a pastor. It's a, a great role and it's needed in the body of Christ. I genuinely believe that. And they feel the absence of that gift. But I'm sure when, the, when they call a pastor, what they don't want to do is then say, here you go, we're we're backing off now. No, they want everyone involved because they've seen what happens when they get involved. It's a beautiful thing. When every part is functioning, it's how the body is meant to be. That's what they want. Now, that desire, when I saw that, it was refreshing to see everyone involved 
because it's counter often to what happens in churches. It, it comes in all different shapes and sizes, but often it's something or someone that dominates the expression of a church congregation. It can either be a theology. There's this theology that's so important that, every, that it's the most important thing that we're going to hammer home, or it's a practice. It's in every single service. It must happen, otherwise the world's going to end. Or it's a certain leadership or certain people in the congregation that really just shape everything. It's a solitary, lone expression of the faith in the church every single week. But it was interesting to see in that church they were, looking, they were operating in a different way. Now, the passage we're looking at today, the church were stuck in the situation, church in Corinth in the Apostle Paul's day, they were stuck in the situation where they valued something so much that if you didn't do this thing, you were on the edge, you were sidelined. And it's a, it's a bit of a weird thing that they got stuck on. I don't think... It's probably not the issue for most Baptist churches, but it certainly was the issue for this church. Paul had heard these troublesome reports, a number of them, and one of them was they got into this idea that only that um, there were certain people and certain gifts that were being valued and other people were being diminished. And this was the gift that was so important, the gift of tongues. Essentially, the church believed that if you spoke in tongues, that was the most spiritual thing you could do. These were the spiritual elite, and if you couldn't do that and didn't do that, you were on the edge. And so there was this hierarchy within the church. You had these elite people, and you had everyone else. And Paul's like, that is not how it's meant to be. That's not a healthy church, where just one set of people are honoured, and everyone else is sidelined. That's not how it's meant to be. And so... He decides to uh, explore this metaphor of the body of Christ. I think it's an amazing image because it's just so clear for us. We instantly read it and we go, I know what he's saying. That every one of us here, like a part of the body, is so important and we all need to be involved. That's what a healthy church is. When the body functions, everyone being involved. Now, as I reflect on the church that I pastor, and the health of the church as everyone got involved, as I reflect on the church in Corinth, which we're going to do, um, I believe the Holy Spirit today wants to shine a light on the health of this church. You know, as we explore the scriptures, is this church a healthy body, operating and functioning how it's meant to do? I want us to explore that. It's quite exposing, but I think it's necessary for every church and this is what the Holy Spirit's asking of us today. So, we are going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 26. But before we go through that, I think it's necessary to look at the verses beforehand in 1 to 11. And Paul goes to say, he lists the spiritual gifts, the charismatic gifts, so the prophecy, healing, words of knowledge, faith, so on and so forth, and tongues. And it's interesting, because he essentially says in that, that list... It's not only tongues that's important. There's a whole load of other gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit. It's not just those people who are the, the best and the elite. There's so many other gifts that are available to do. So don't just prioritize that. That's silly. There's so many other gifts available. But he goes on to say that there aren't just the spiritual charismatic gifts, but the kind of supernatural gifts, we may say. There are some really normal gifts. Like he says, there's the gift of helping which is so general, 
and it can encapsulate so much. The gift of helping is almost equally as important as the, these spiritual gifts. The gifts of administration, now that is a seriously important gift in the life of the church. That's so important. And if you read Romans 12, where Paul talks to the church in, in Rome, it's a very similar passage because it's all about the body of Christ. He lists some other gifts as well. Here's some other gifts. The gifts of serving. Great. Encouraging, that's a gift. Giving, leading, showing mercy. And he explicitly says to the church in Rome that if they have a gift, then use it and use it in the life of the church. In Paul's mind, the church is meant to be a hive of creativity because you all have gifts that are different from one another. I have some gifts, you have gifts that I couldn't dream of. But they're supposed to come out. They're supposed to be displayed in this setting. And in many ways, the church is supposed to be one of the most creative settings in the world. It's where there is freedom to express that creativity that God's birthed in us. And so it means in this setting, yeah, sure, maybe spiritual gifts, charismatic gifts, maybe someone here has a word of prophecy where they sense God has spoken and laid something on their heart. There should be freedom to share that. But equally, there should be the gifts of baking, the gifts of art, sport, hiking, hospitality, preaching, music. There's instruments here. That, you know, there's people here that may have gifts available to use. If there's a gift here, then use it. This place is supposed to be a hive of creativity. Use those gifts. So Paul says it's not just this one gift that's important, tongues. There's so many gifts in, in each one of you. Use them. And so he then goes on to say in this this passage on the body of Christ, this is the church at its best. He uses this metaphor. And he says, the church is one body, one group of people, with many different parts, many different types of people, with many different gifts. And he, and he, he talks about these types of people. He, he explains them specifically. He says, there are Jews, there are Greeks, slave and free in the church. The church is comprised of many different types of people, and there are many different gifts and the church is Christ's body. The church is the way Jesus displays his vibrant life to the world, which is a scary thought, because if we want the world to come to know Jesus and yeah, encounter Jesus, they need to see us. We're his body. We represent him to the world. And so what are they seeing in you and in, in us? Hopefully, it's a vibrant witness, full of creativity. Hopefully, it's not this hindered, minimalized witness. I hope that's the case. And so Paul's going to be exploring this idea to them. If the church in Corinth is a body, is it a healthy body? That's his question. So in verses 15 to 16, he highlights a symptom of sickness in the body. And it's where the foot says, I'm not a hand, I don't belong. It's when people in the church, certain people in the church, but feel that because they're not like the hand, because they don't have certain gifts or they don't act in a certain way, they're just not part of this community. Now, I've seen that in two churches that I've passed in. So one church, highly valued, so highly valued, um, the spiritual gifts, praying for the sick and um, prophecy and, and, and prayer, which are wonderful things, but it, it had this adverse effect because they so prized these things. If there were people in the congregation, and there were some people that just didn't operate in those gifts, it made them feel useless. It made them feel left out. And it had this, it had this hierarchy, this spiritual hierarchy between those who were anointed 
and those who weren't. That's this idea. Well, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a foot, I'm not a hand. Well, I don't belong as part of the body. Well, that's not how it's meant to be. In another church I pastored him, it didn't prize that, really. It prized intellectual gifts. So if you had a degree to your name, or a master's or a PhD in theology, you were the elite. You really were. And that was pretty difficult, because not every, you know, the majority of people didn't have those credentials. If you knew a lot about the Bible or about theology, you were respected. And it had an impact on the way the services were conducted. They looked the same most weeks. It was very much an emphasis on knowledge. And those who had many other creative gifts felt sidelined because, well, I'm not like that, so I'm not really valuable here. That's not a healthy church. Those churches where there's such an emphasis on certain people or certain things, that's a symptom of sickness. It's, and it's, the, the downside is, as I mentioned before, it's Christ's body. Christ is trying to re- is present himself to the world through his people, but his life, the dynamic expression of his life is being diminished. That's a really sad thing. And Paul is wanting to challenge certainly the health of the church in Corinth. And the amazing thing about the scriptures is it just resonates throughout all ages into our life here in Fivehead or Bath or in New Zealand. That's the power of scripture. The Holy Spirit is causing these scriptures to come alive right here and right now. And it causes you guys in this church to question whether this symptom exists. Are there certain gifts or certain people that are so highly valued that other people are excluded? Are there people in this community that feel that they need to act in a certain way or be a certain type of person to be acceptable? Is there a spiritual elite here and then those sidelined? It may not be the case, and if not, hallelujah. But it happens in so many churches, and this is, I believe, what the Holy Spirit is asking. One of the things he's asking you today, is there the symptom of sickness? Well, Paul offers a prescription to that symptom of sickness because he wants them to recognize that everyone here is important. And that's what I said to the children. I pointed them and said, you are so important. And that is Paul's message. Every one of you has gifts that needs to be expressed in this place. He says, if you the foot, someone of supposed lower status, weren't the hand, someone of supposedly higher status, what does it matter? The foot is still part of the body. You're still a vital member of the church. It doesn't matter if you can't speak in tongues. You're still really, really important. So don't worry. Now, he goes on to say, look, if you can't get that into your heads, there's... um, there's some hazards, some dangers with refusing that prescription of believing your importance and your value. There's, there's two hazards. Firstly, if the, the, this gathering, your gatherings through the week, um, do not only prioritize certain people or certain gifts each and every time, the whole body loses out. Because what happens is, again and again, only one part of the body is functioning. You know, he says, what if the whole body were an eye? Where would the sense of hearing be? And it's true. You know, if, if, one, if a pastor or a leader or anyone who's highly valued in this community just serves again and again and again, well, what about your contribution or your contribution? Where, where is it going to be expressed? It needs to be heard. It needs to be seen. So the first hazard in refusing to acknowledge that everyone here is important is that the church suffers. It misses out on some key people and all of you. 
and what you could offer. And the second thing, the second hazard, and this is scary, this is really scary. Paul says, um, well, no, essentially, if the whole body were just an eye, if the church just prioritized one person or a set of people to quote the biblical scholar, the church turns into a monstrosity. Because the church, which is meant to be a body with everyone working, becomes an eye. The church becomes a giant eyeball. That's what Paul's saying. If only a set, certain number of people serve with just one gift, it's hideous. And that is sobering, isn't it? It's a giant eyeball. It's pretty gross. And scarily, that's often what we have for churches. We don't have a body functioning with all the parts. We just have one part, and it's hideous. That's what Paul is saying. Now, another church I visited this year, I was reminded of the danger and the strain that happens when only one part of the body is used. It's not healthy. This church also didn't have a pastor. And they told me the reason for that was because the church put too much pressure on this pastor. Um... They asked this pastor to do almost everything. And this pastor was required to do frequently operating gifts that just weren't his own. And he's saying, I can't do this, but this is where my heart... I could, if I served in this area, predominantly the church would flourish, but I, I'm doing all of these things. And the church was often, for various reasons, unwilling to play their part. What it led to was the, you know, too much of a burden on this pastor, and he decided, I'm going to resign from my position. And he moved on. And so when I came to visit the church, they're in a, at a point going, we need to step up. We have, we've done this to our leader, and we can't do that again. That's what happens when one part of the body is strained too much and becomes everything. It's not healthy. It's not the way it's meant to be. And as a result, the church suffers. And it raises a number of questions for this congregation, for many congregations. And it raises questions for leadership in the church. So for the congregation, for you guys, it raises these questions. Are you willing to express your gifts for the benefit of this church? You all have gifts. None of you can say, I don't have any gifts, I've got nothing to offer. You do, every one of you. Are you willing to, to offer them? Or do you hold yourselves back? Your contribution is important. Equally, is it, important, is it possible that to your leaders, like that church I visited, you're placing a burden on your leaders? Is that possible? Maybe not, and if not, fantastic. But it's something to consider. And for leadership here, do you enable and motivate these gifts in the, in the church? And are you, as leaders, able to function and operate in your gifts and not overcompensating for those in the church who aren't operating? Now, the answers to these questions provoke a particular thought I want us to consider. It's this. As a church... Are you a body, or are you a monstrosity? <laughs> That's, these aren't my, this isn't my idea, this is Paul's. It's his language. It's not meant to be a giant eyeball, it's meant to be a body. And so, what are you? That's the question you need to reckon with. Now, if the answer, like in Corinth, is pretty alarming, you know the answer, I don't. Um, what I've seen of you, you're a beautiful church, but you know the dynamics of this life together. If the answer is alarming, Paul offers a repeat prescription. He wants everyone to remember their importance. 
They're so important. He says in verse 18, God has arranged every part of the body just as he wanted them to be. You are who you are because of God's grace. And for me personally, this is one of the most helpful scriptures I've come across and had real relevance for me in New Zealand. Um, There was a point after a number of years of being in New Zealand where I experienced culture shock. The first few years were really special. It's this new environment, it's exotic. You know, you meet new people with Kiwi accents and there's, you know, the different um, trees and different uh, wildlife and different um, hobbies and it's all amazing. And then, like, it becomes normal. It does, it becomes normal. And then you realise this is actually quite different to what I've got at home. And And it culture shock does a few things. And for me... What I found was in New Zealand there was a particular vision of the interests um, and talents that particularly a man should have in in that culture. And New Zealand, like Australia, is a settler country. It's very hardy and strong, very practical, um, pretty crudely very masculine. Um, And after a while, honestly, just being totally honest, I felt I couldn't really measure up to it. I just, I can't keep up with this. This is really hard. And I actually felt a real sense of shame. I just thought, I can't be like that. I'm just not really, I'm not good enough. I'm not made like that. And for me, you know, I think if I had, um, well, I I did in in New Zealand have some incredible um, mentors, my my wife and I. We had some amazing people who were older than us supporting us. It was fantastic, more than I've ever had before. But for a period of years, I really struggled to make peer friendships with friends my age. And the effect of it was that when you don't have someone um, you know, close to you, maybe a, a similar life stage as you, um, the effect is that it reinforces that sense of inferiority and shame because you don't have someone looking at you going, you're really special, you're really important. And I, I didn't have that for a number of years. It just reinforced, yeah, I'm not that great, am I? I, I can't measure up. And I got into this, bit, this bitter cycle of feeling pretty rubbish that I couldn't measure up to the type of person in New Zealand that they thought was uh, uh, valuable and respected. And it's a horrible place to be in. But I went on this, uh, our churches, um, they had like this young adult students group. And I went along to it, and 20s group. And with arriving, we were required, it was like a worship retreat. It was quite, quite a different idea. And they required us to spend some time alone with God. And so I sat on this bench, and I got out my Bible, and I went to this, passage. I just opened it and thought, okay, I'll read this. And I read this verse. God has arranged the part of the body, the parts of the body, just as he wanted them to be. And it was like a bomb went off in my head. I realized God had made me with the gifts and the personality just as he wanted me to be. I might not be like this person or that person, but if I sought to be anyone other than who God had made me, I would forfeit the greatest contribution I could offer this world. Knowing that I'm of great value to God and to his people is the prescription I needed and we need to express our gifts. So do you recognise how important you are? God has made you just as he wanted you to be. Eugene Peterson states as well, There has been nobody since the foundation of the world like Steve, (laughs) like Dilla. There has been no one 
like you since the foundation of the world. That is because God has made you just as he wanted you to be. That is a beautiful thing. You guys are so important and we need to recognize that. And so Paul knows that we like to shoot that away. <laughs> like Steve's reaction. <laughs> Just, I know he's playing, but we, we do. I think there's an element of truth to that. We like to say, that, don't look at me. I'm, I'm not actually that important. But Paul wants to say, no, actually you are. And so he emphasizes it even more. He states in verses 22 to 25, that to God, those who feel pretty rubbish, pretty useless on the, on the sidelined and not valued, God deems them indispensable, worthy of special honour and care. And that's why in verse 21, Paul can say, there is no one in the church that can say to another believer, I don't need you. No one can ever say that. And the effect of giving equal concern to one another, loving one another, caring for one another, allowing your gifts to thrive and be expressed, it leads to unity and health of the church rather than division. And we need one another to function because, as Paul states in verse 26, the church is like a body. It's a connected entity. So if one part suffers, the whole body suffers. And I've seen this. I saw, as I was preparing for this, I saw my friend, uh, he broken his leg playing football on crutches. And it's amazing because he's on crutches and, all he's, and it's obviously very painful that he's hurt his leg. But almost the rest of his life is affected he couldn't carry his food at the, uh, at the coffee shop to the table. He needed someone to, to carry it for him. He couldn't drive. One part of his body suffered, but the rest of his body suffers. And it's the same in the life of the church. If people are sidelined, it's got a ripple effect to the rest of the church. It's damaging. The whole church is impeded if people are sidelined and disregarded. But if one part is honoured, the whole body Rejoices, And we observe that when we're listening to music. It's just the ear, isn't it? But it's as if our whole self is caught up in the joy of it. And it's the same in the body and in, in, in the church. If people have the freedom to use their gifts and talents, the whole church benefits. And that certainly was the case in that church I visited. Five-head Baptist, verse, seven, verse 27 states, You are the body of Christ. And you're truly the church God wants you to be when everyone is deemed of supreme importance and everyone has the freedom to use their gifts. Once again, Eugene Peterson conveys this so well. The church at its best allows us to be ourselves, encourages us to be ourselves. And so I encourage you, Fivehead, be the body of Christ. Be Christ's expression to this community motivate all the gifts that are within you and leave no one aside. 